So let that sink in. If the state believes that they have a compelling interest to infringe upon your right to have a child, they can. Welcome to the Godly Troublemaker Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Parker. The Godly Troublemaker exists to shine the light of Christ in the eyes of the idols of our day. Let's go get into some trouble. Introduction. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. C.S. Lewis Abortion is disgusting. It is murder. It is an abomination before the Lord. It is child sacrifice, and it is the high sacrament for those who hate the Lord. Quote, For the sons of Judah have done evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have set their detestable things in the house that is called by my name to defile it. They have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no more be called Topheth, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they will bury in Topheth, because there is no room elsewhere. And the dead bodies of this people will be food for the birds of the air, and for the beasts of the earth, and none will frighten them away. And I will silence in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall become a waste. Jeremiah seven thirty through 34 Now, we may look at that and think that the child sacrifices that were being offered to Molech were disgusting and barbaric. But the only reason we do so is because the sons and daughters were burned at the high places and not at a clinic. And the priests that would slaughter the babies on the altar weren't licensed by the government. Had they been, well, then everything would have been on the up and up, you know, because of, well, rights and health care. In episode three, entitled Overturning Roe, which was recorded just before Roe was actually overturned, I said, quote, Make no mistake about it, our country is a powder keg, and Roe is the match. End quote. I also said that we were in the middle of an ideological Cold War, and that the overturning of Roe would give those ideological boundary lines geographical ones, as this was pushed back to the states. Well, such is currently the case in Michigan. As soon as Roe was overturned, the Democrats crafted a proposal that, if passed, will enshrine some of the most radical abortion laws in our country into our state constitution. 
This is not only to satiate their bloodlust, but it will almost all but ensure that Michigan forever remains a liberal hellhole like New York and California, which is evidenced by the tremendous amount of funny money pouring into our state from the outside supporting Democratic candidates and proposals. Those supporting Prop 3 have outspent those who oppose it 3 to 1, and the high imperial empress Gretchen Whitler has outspent her Republican opponent 28 to 1. Michigan is not just a battleground state. It is a strategic one. It borders a foreign country and is almost surrounded by water, which means it is incredibly easy to transport goods and people, which means, just hypothetically speaking, if you had nefarious intent, Michigan is a state you would very much want to control. Again, hypothetically speaking. The God that lies behind abortion is statism. Abortion, by definition, destroys the family. It is, by definition, baby murder. The word literally means to kill, terminate, or destroy. Abortion also destroys the covenant of marriage in that it removes the husband, father, from the equation. That is, whether or not their child is brought into the world is entirely up to the woman and the state. And herein lies the ultimate bait-and-switch, as we'll see as we look at this proposal. The status claims that this is all based on reproductive freedom and the individual autonomy of the woman. However, at the end of the day, the end goal is that the state will determine who gets to have babies and how many. To those who would say, but that would never happen. Well, I have a vaccine to sell you. Now, before we look at the words that are being proposed to be put into our state constitution, I think it's important to remind ourselves that God cuts straight, and the enemy specializes in nuance, somewhat like Big Eva. It is also important to remind ourselves that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, and that Jesus is the harbinger of peace, rest, clarity, joy, and life, while the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Prop 3. I think that it's important that if anyone is going to vote for this proposal, they should know exactly what is in it. I also believe that the people of God should be on the front end of these things and should be able to give a reason for the hope that is within us. That is, they should be able to clearly determine whether or not a proposal is consistent with the word and will of God. Which is why, at the Ridge, the church that I pastor, we have corporately looked at this proposal together and have publicly stated that any member who votes in favor of this proposal will be excommunicated, and that we will never accept into membership someone who is indifferent on abortion. Now, let's look at the words that are proposed to be placed, enshrined into the Michigan State Constitution. Quote, Every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which entails the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, including, but not limited to, prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care, miscarriage management, and infertility care. 
The state is declaring that every individual, but specifically the ones with vaginas and uteruses, have a fundamental right to reproductive freedom. Now, anyone with half a brain, which is asking a lot these days, would read that statement and think that it is saying that an individual has the right to have a baby with anyone that they may choose. After all, that's what reproduction is. The exact opposite of reproduction would be the killing of your child. Also, it is incredibly important that we understand that the state does not give rights, but simply acknowledges pre-existing ones given to us by our Creator. Once the state claims in any capacity that they are the giver of rights, they have, without equivocation, placed themselves on God's throne. So then, where does this fundamental right come from? This fundamental right that includes abortion care, which, just FYI, is a contradiction in terms. Again, abortion literally means to take the life of your child, which is the exact opposite of caring for them. Again, where does said right come from? Certainly not from the Almighty. He has said in no uncertain terms that abortion is murder and is an abomination to him. The proposal then goes on to say, quote, an individual's right to reproductive freedom shall not be denied, burdened, nor infringed upon unless justified by a compelling state interest, achieved by the least restrictive means, end quote. What did they just define as reproductive freedom, which they won't infringe upon unless there is a compelling state interest, which, just FYI, this proposal allows the fox to count the hens in the hen house all the way down and all the way through, which means that it's the state that gets to define what is in the state's interest. So then, What did they just define as reproductive freedom, which they can decide to infringe upon? Quote, all matters relating to pregnancy, including but not limited to prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care, miscarriage management, and infertility care. So let that sink in. If the state believes that they have a compelling interest to infringe upon your right to have a child, they can. If you think that that would never happen, I would just refer you to the last two and a half years. The proposal then goes on to say, quote, Notwithstanding the above, the state may regulate the provision of abortion after fetal viability provided that in no circumstance shall the state prohibit an abortion that, in the professional judgment of an attending healthcare professional, is medically indicated to protect the life or physical or mental health of the pregnant individual. So the state may regulate the provision of abortion care after fetal viability. What is fetal viability? Well, I'm glad you asked. They go on to define that as follows, quote, fetal viability means the point in pregnancy when, in the professional judgment of an attending healthcare professional, and based on the particular facts of the case, there is a significant likelihood of the fetus's sustained survival 
outside of the uterus without the application of extraordinary medical measures. The state has the right to regulate abortion after the baby can survive outside the womb, which would allow an attending healthcare professional, again, as defined by the state, to cut the baby in pieces all the way up until the time of delivery. But honestly, why would it be restricted to that? If the state has a compelling interest to take the life of the child after viability, why would that only be restricted to the womb? You say, oh, but that would never happen. Of course it wouldn't. Take this vaccine or lose your job. Also, this attending healthcare professional gets to make the determination as to your physical and mental fitness and well-being. Now, keep in mind, these are the same people who elected Joe Biden. But at least we can be thankful for the inclusivity of this proposal in that it includes pregnant individuals. And what happens when speech is considered to affect the mental health of a pregnant individual? Section 3 states, quote, The state shall not penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against an individual based on their actual, potential, perceived, or alleged pregnancy outcomes, including, but not limited to, miscarriage, stillbirth, or abortion, nor shall the state penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against someone for aiding or assisting a pregnant individual in exercising their right to reproductive freedom with their voluntary consent, end quote. So anyone who performs an abortion and any one woman who has an abortion cannot, under any circumstances, be penalized, prosecuted, or have any adverse action taken against them in any way. One wonders, does that apply to an employee of a church? Or what about a church member? Keep in mind, these are the same people who said where, when, and how the people of God could worship over the last couple of years. Now, if you think the state hasn't already entered into the ecclesiastical sphere, I would just say that ship set sail a long time ago. Also included in the proposal are these words. A state interest is compelling only if it is for the limited purpose of protecting the health of an individual seeking care consistent with accepted clinical standards of practice and evidence-based medicine and does not infringe on the individual's autonomous decision-making. End quote. If the accepted clinical standards of practice and evidence-based medicine are the same as the ones determined by the state during COVID, well then, we are all screwed. Lastly, I bring this up because very few people know this is also in the proposal, but it's shoved right in the back, right up the tailpipe under Article 4, Section 51, titled Public Health and General Welfare. It reads, quote, The public health and general welfare of the people of the state are hereby declared to be matters of primary public concern. The legislature shall pass suitable laws for the protection and promotion of the public health. End quote. This allows the state to define public health and general welfare, whatever that means, to be issues of primary importance determined by the legislature by the state. 
If you live through the last two and a half years, this should scare the hell out of you. Because as we have all seen, there is absolutely nothing that they cannot include under those categories. Conclusion. I love Michigan. I love my city. I love my little piece of dirt that God has blessed me with. I love my family and I love my church. I have never been more concerned for my state than I am right now. Not just because of this proposal, which is disgusting, but also because of everything that can be justified as a result of its passing directly, secondarily, and tertiarily. I ask that you pray for Michigan and that the Lord would strengthen his church in this time. I also ask that you would share this video often so that no one can claim ignorance as to exactly what is in this proposal and what they are supporting. I don't want anyone's blood on my hands, and neither should you. Before you go, if you like this podcast, make sure to subscribe and give us a five-star review, which is very helpful for us. Until next time, demolish strongholds and go cause a little godly trouble.